Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. Hello and welcome to the following on podcast from TalkSport. I'm John Norman, alongside Neil Manthorpe, uh, looking back at a uh, historic day at uh, the Oval. Plenty to discuss uh, here on the following on podcast. Well, if you're listening to the show, you no doubt know by now that uh, 17 wickets that fell on day three here at uh, the Oval. Uh, South Africa bowled out for 118. Ollie Robinson, 5 for 49, uh, up on the honours board here at the Oval. Stuart Broad weighing in with four himself and one for Jimmy Anderson. In fact, South Africa lost six wickets before the lunch break. Uh, Robinson himself could have taken the five for uh, on a, another day. Um, uh, but uh, after the lunch break, uh, the wickets uh, continued. Uh, only really Marco Jansen with 30. And a couple of lower order runs from Maharaj and Zondo at one of four changes for South Africa from that defeat at Manchester. England, when they came up to bat, well, you feel they had the destiny of the match and the series in their hands, but they've uh, let it slip. 107 for three at one stage. They trailed by just eight runs. They finished the day 154 for seven. A lead of Manners 36. Uh, will it be enough? We shall wait and see. Ollie Pope, the only man to go past 50. Uh, he was sixth out uh, for 67. Uh, some uh, brilliant bowling from Jansen and also uh, from uh, Nokia and Robardo. who seemed to get better as the day progressed. Uh, uh, Three-day test? Could be a two-day test. Uh, we shall see. Plenty to discuss uh, with myself, John Norman and Neil Manthorpe. But first, uh, we need to talk about something much, much more important. Moment of the day. So, Manners, uh, let's start with uh, the moment of the day, no doubt whatsoever what it was. And I don't know about you, but I woke up nervous this morning, more nervous than I think I have, if not ever, because we all remember what those first days of work experience are like when you're like 16 and you, you rock up at uh, um, wherever you do work experience for those first days on a new job. I mean, the sleepless nights ahead of that. But I woke up nervous because I knew... 
that uh, God Save the King was going to be played and sung today here at the Oval. It was going to be a huge, momentous occasion, and I was going to have to report on that in and around it for Talk Sport. I was nervous. I was well out of my comfort zone. I uh, didn't know what to expect. Um, but wow, what a moment it was. Uh, you sat in the press box, I was outside uh, in the crowd, essentially. Laura Wright singing impeccably uh, a cappello. Uh, the crowd, we knew there was going to be a minute silence. Actually, it was more like a four-minute silence, wasn't it? Because as soon as the crowd, who were in position with half an hour before the start of play, saw the players and the match officials and Laura walk onto the outfield, form that guard of honour, uh, there was silence here at the Oval. Any thoughts that cricket made a mistake by playing today, I feel, personally, um, that the right decision was made. Uh, it was an incredible moment, poignant, powerful, uh, and quite magical, um, and uh, one that will live long in the memory banks. I couldn't agree more. Um, uh, the level of emotion was extraordinary. Uh, my fear for England was that they wouldn't be able to channel that energy. Um, for me, it, it was a reminder of the... Uh, it was it was kind of like England's Mandela moment uh, in South African sport. Um, 1995 Rugby World Cup final when Mandela went onto the field at Ellis Park. Um, I haven't experienced the same kind of electricity at a sporting venue since then. Between that moment and this, those are the two which made the hair stand up all over my body. <laughs> um, you know, literally, it was it was breathtaking, extraordinary. I don't know whether it was a four-minute silence. It felt like 24. Um, and and the national anthem was, yeah, just a moment that I'll remember for the rest of my life. So um, <laughs> was there anybody who said it wasn't a good idea to, to play this test match? I, I don't know if they if there was anybody and they were here, I think they might have changed their mind. Yeah, I totally agree. I think it just felt a little odd that cricket was taking place when football wasn't. Um, but uh, cricket needed its time to come together and show its respects. And if this test match hadn't have been played, then England wouldn't have played in this country until June next year. Uh, football will be back, and I think the right decision was made. You use the word electric. I wasn't sure whether to use that word. It almost seemed like, almost seemed not offensive, but it didn't seem like the right word to use. But it was electric, wasn't it? You know, the, the, the hairs on uh, all of our arms were standing up, I believe. You know, there was goosebumps. It was such a feeling of being in the present and in the moment, but also hyper-aware of uh, what had occurred, what is about to take place. But, you know, it's not very often that you are truly, not just individually in the moment, but also as part of the collective as well. And that's, that's how it felt to me, at least. Yeah, I also don't know whether electric is quite the right word, um, but but you know the, the, <laughs> that great Simon and Garfunkel song, The Sound of Silence? We heard it today yeah, because yeah, yeah. when there's 25, 28,000, how much is Groundhog? 30,000 people, whatever it was, um, and there is that level of quiet and respect and a deep sense of, of celebration as well as mourning, um, that... That, to me, felt electric. Maybe I just don't have the vocabulary to find the right word. Uh, honestly, I, I, I'm not sure if I ended up using the word electric on air, but I, 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 I typed it out, deleted it, typed it out again. There was an electricity about the place. So that's why your hair's... That's what happens when you, you get a static shock, isn't it? Your hair, you know, suddenly stands up on end. And that's what was happening. It did feel electric, but in a, a truly unique 
um, manner and one that I don't think I'll ever experience again. You mentioned Nelson Mandela. That was the only comparison I could come up with, and it exceeded that today for me. I wasn't there at Ellis Park in 1995. I have been to Ellis Park. Um, But for me, my Nelson Mandela moment came at Soccer City, the opening match of the Football World Cup in 2010. Um, no, it wasn't. It was the final at, at Soccer City. And he, he was advanced in years and uh, he was essentially paraded around the ground, wasn't he? He was on a, some kind of golf buggy or something with Winnie Mandela. And for me, it was an incredible moment, one I will never forget. Very different here today, of course. Not so much of a celebration, obviously, but still a momentous moment and, uh, and one that... Uh, justified the nerves I felt earlier today right um, it's difficult to segue from that to the cricket but you know in a weird way the cricket uh, created its own story today that's nowhere near a parallel to what occurred before it but certainly there's uh, there's plenty to get there's plenty to get uh, discussing here on the following on podcast story of the day there's just got to be a result, hasn't there? I mean, there's, there's no way this was going to be batting out for a draw. Ben Stokes said as much before the match. Three days is all it's taken at uh, Lords and Manchester. Uh, the fragility of both batting attacks, the brilliance of both bowling attacks, the conditions were once again favouring the bowlers. Uh, even still, at times it felt that, you know, six out of ten could try, must, must try harder with the batting. You know, the bowling wasn't quite that brilliant. The, the conditions weren't quite that threatening. Um, but where do you start with a 17-wicket day? You know, um, as much as England were fired up and, and they did absorb that energy from the stands and from the, the whole occasion, um, but I think South Africa were overwhelmed by it. Um, you know, uh, they were 35 for 5 at drinks, and the first over after drinks they were 36 for 6. Um, reaching lunch at 69 for 6, I think they... <laughs> took this collective breath and, and, and didn't, didn't know what had hit them. I mean, I could see that they were just they were bewildered and um, massive question marks over their preparation. They turned down a two-day game, an offer of a two-day practice match against an England Select 11 uh, in, in pre- preference to going to the Belfry to play golf. To me, they looked very, very undercooked. I understand the importance of getting away from the game, honestly, but 11 days without any serious cricket... You know, um, Mark Boucher spoke about players being allowed to uh, spend time uh, by themselves, and 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 well, they didn't. They didn't go off. They didn't sort of break away and go for a, a hike in the in the uh, um, in the Lake District. You know, they they stuck together. They played golf and went go karting, and then otherwise for two days. Um, but for seven or eight days, they did nothing really. Um, and, and so I don't. Know, I think that'll have to be questioned. Um, but, but it's, not, it's not like they're fresh from two five-day grinderthons, <laughs> is it, where they've been batting in 40-degree heat and their bowlers have tall back, you know, for the fifth and sixth spells. Exactly, exactly. Um, you know, but, you, hey, look, um, there's a way back for South Africa here and they might still fight their way back into the test match. They have just fought their way back into the test match. OK, so we've had to change microphones because uh, my battery's running out, so there's a little window into my disorganised world. Um, <laughs> but you were just saying, man, is that essentially South Africa have battled their way back into this match. question is, though, how many runs can they give up? Because they've just been bowled out for 118. The conditions tomorrow aren't going to be that different. You know, can they score 200? And bowling them out for 150? Because that's kind of what you assume they're going to have to do. 
Uh, you know, I think if they double the lead, that'll probably be match winning. Um, if they get to a lead of about 70, I can't see the pitch uh, flattening out. Um, and it's not going to deteriorate because it's, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be a three-day test match at, at most. So I don't see it um, uh, changing um, in nature very much. It's not going to flatten out, is it? Um, and I, I just think the fragility of the, batting, the South African batting lineup has, has now been properly exposed. Um, and I, no, I can't actually see them scoring 200 or 250, which is what can, they're going to need. First of all, they need to get rid of the last three wickets quickly, because as I said, if that lead gets to 70, above 70, I don't think that will be recoverable for South Africa. They did bowl particularly well, but were you a bit surprised about the way that England went about things? You say that South Africa mentally didn't look quite where they needed to be in the morning session. Do you feel that possibly all of that energy and adrenaline that must have been coursing around that England side after that incredible, you know, pre-match um, display and then the bowling, the bowling, do you think that maybe it just, they may have just run out of steam at the, at the same point that South Africa were rediscovering where their heads should have been, should have been at two, se- two sessions previously? You know, I, I just think that England have got to 84 for two at T. Okay, so they're they're within sight of South Africa's total. Uh, Clear sight. (laughs) You know, they're 118 all out. England are 84 for two. Um, And uh, I'm not going to cast judgment. It was funny, I was listening to Sean Pollock um, on commentary and then we had a chat uh, when he finished his stint. And he was just shaking his head saying, I'm all for positive cricket. No one's against positive cricket. But you need to ally that with sensible cricket. So be positive. at the right times, be sensible about it. And I just think that at 84 for two, um, there was a, a, you didn't need to score at five or six and over. Kajito Rabada was having a dreadful spell, one of his worst spells for three or four years. He was going at seven and over anyway. Um, but Oli Pope played beautifully. Um, you know, he pulled him five times through mid wicket for four. Um, it's his home ground, he averages over 80 here. Uh, but uh, you know, and like like Sean Pollock, I don't want to sound like a like a fuddy daddy, old guy and old school, because I love the way England play. Um, and I've said it several times during the summer that I have been fortunate enough not to have to pay entrance to a Test match for about twenty five years. But if there's one team in the world who I would pay uh, buy a ticket to watch, it's this England team. Um, but maybe you know they don't seem very willing to to say yeah okay maybe we didn't need to be going at sixth gear they they haven't sort of said that um but but this might be an occasion i think i think they'll win the test match um but if they don't they'll they'll look back and think <laughs> do you know what maybe we should have just gone along in fourth gear for a while at t and just look got past south africa start you know you you, you get get them get the spirits down so get 30 ahead 40 ahead with six or seven wickets in hand I mean, and the England players did get themselves out, didn't they, uh, to a large extent. I don't think it's fair to say that, you know, South Africa were bowling brilliantly. Rabada was bowling terribly. And I don't think it was too much of an ask for England to say, let's just get to 140, 150 with six or seven wickets in hand, and then we've got the test match. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I think Harry Brooks scored th- has, has, has hit three scoring shots in test cricket, and they're all boundaries. Um, and he could have just nudged that one off his hip. From Marco, is it Janssen or Janssen? I've completely forgotten. Janssen. 
I've been saying, you're, well, neither. I've been you know, saying, I've been alternating between the two all day. Um, when I knew that, I've been saying it for two tests correctly. Either way, it's been one of those days. I'm sure you forgive me. Um, one thing from, a, from an impartial observer perspective, what are your thoughts on Alex Lee's Zach Crawley? Because it seems to me that at some point during this series, or maybe b- before, Alex Lees has decided he's going to bat like Zach Crawley, and Zach Crawley has decided he's going to bat like Alex Lees. Neither really is working. Maybe they should just go back to batting how they should be batting. That's a really good observation, and I completely agree with you. What was Zach Crawley doing today? See, here's my problem. He's had such a terrible summer, and then he makes 38 at Old Trafford. And, I mean, he's almost back page headlines. Zach Crawley to England's rescue. He's made 38 off 90-odd balls. He was 12 not out when the score was 100. First time that's ever happened, I think, in Test cricket. Exactly. And, and he's been heaped with praise um, for, for 38. And so he's gone out there and he doesn't, see, he doesn't know what he is, does he? He doesn't know whether he's a tortoise or a hare now. And nor does Alex Lees, it no. appears. It, exactly, exactly. I, I just... Uh, hap, I mean, I, the, the, I, I'm still bewildered, even two weeks after um, Brenda McCullum and Ben Stokes said that they weren't looking for consistency from Zach Crawley because, you know, that's, that's not what they want from him. Um, and I'm, I'm bewildered. I just think that he doesn't know what on earth they... I mean, what, what are they saying? He's got licence to go out there and smash it and make loads of single-figure scores and, he's, and his place is guaranteed. Uh, so that definitely, definitely is a problem that needs to be sorted out. Um, uh, he also the, missed that ball from Jonsson by the width of a bat. <laughs> a decent delivery or it was a very good delivery but he missed it by you know the width of a bat I know uh, you know what and you, you look back at that 100 partnership in the second innings in the test match against India at Edgebaston um, and they both played very positively but they seemed to have a clear modus operandi they both knew what they, they wanted to do they, were, they knew their scoring areas they knew where they were going to hit the ball they weren't playing every shot they were playing the good shots to, to right balls um, and, you know, they were leaving the odd one or two as well. So uh, I think if they, if they want to go back to the drawing board, then they need to look at the highlights of their 100 partnership in the second innings of the run chase at Edgebaston because they got it right there. Tell you what, we, t- we talked about, you know, the weaknesses of this batting, but uh, I was in the, uh, the canteen area here at the press box at the Oval just getting myself a drink, and I looked up at the screen and I saw Joe Root clip beautiful delivery through mid-wicket for four, and then I uh, finished getting my coffee, and I, as I walked out, I saw him lean back and just gently caress the ball through the covers for another four. And then I got back to my desk, and I realised that was Ollie Pope. <laughs> I'd completely mistaken Ollie Pope for Joe Root, and that in itself is the mark of the man, isn't it? Because when he's on, and he was on today, um, he, he, looks, he looks like Joe Root. I mean, you can't get any better than that, can you? Of Joe Root or Ian Bell. Ian Bell, that's exactly right, yeah. Um, he, he is, uh, he does remind me a lot of Ian Bell, and he's got, he's just, he, he seems to have, have gone back to, I don't know whether it's basics, but gone back to sensible cricket now. He's got rid of that off-stump guard. Um, when, he was, when he was batting on off-stump, he, he, he seemed to lose his offside game, didn't he? And the cover drive was a bit confused, and he was edging uh, deliveries into the cordon, but now he's got more reg- orthodox guard and more orthodox stance, and he's... Um, but I, I, one of the great things that has worked really well this summer, and great credit to Ben Stokes and Brendan McCullum for this, is the promotion of Ollie Pope to number three. So I don't, it doesn't matter what his numbers are, it doesn't matter what his run tally is at the end of seven test matches this summer, or what his average is, he's working at number three. He's 
It's working. And what a vote of confidence. And he's just, he's, you know, he's puffy-chested. And he's, it's, he's not just guaranteed a place in the team. He's England's number three. And I think he could be there for a long time to come. And actually, and you wouldn't expect McCullum or Stokes to say it, but if they had said what they'd said about Crawley, about Pope, that would actually make more sense. Because his style of play is high risk. He likes to get on with scoring. He scores quickly. He's, he's a fidgety character. He wants, wants to get on with things. And you are, with a batter like that, you're going to get low scores. And you're going to get high scores. And that is Oli Pope at three. Okay, if he's playing at three, I, think, I don't think you get quite that boom and bust if he's playing at four or five or six. But anyway, but that's what we've seen from him. When he has got in, he's made it count. He scored runs in low-scoring encounters. He scored runs quickly. And that score today of 67 doesn't look like a match-winning one, but it could be. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> what do you mean it doesn't look like a match-winning one? <laughs> I think it could very well be a, a match-winning one. You say he's fidgety. seems to me that he's a lot less fidgety than he was. I mean, during the Ashes, he looked like he was batting barefoot on hot coals. Um, he, he was all over the place. Uh, and, and, and here's the thing, is that he doesn't need to play high-risk cricket, to my mind. He, uh, to me, um, he's got not just an adequate defensive game, he's got a very well-tuned very well aligned defensive game and you don't you don't average i know it's his home ground but you don't average 88 um at any venue if you can't look after your stumps i mean he's got a very very good defensive game so when when he gets it uh, when he gets it the balance between attack and defense right then i think um michael atherton's prediction do you remember a couple of years ago um when ollie pope was in south africa and he scored that hundred in yeah. port elizabeth michael atherton said yes. no player um, that I've seen since Joe Root's debut um, has, has made the same impression. He said when he first saw Ollie Pope play, he said, that's our next 100 test batsman. Yeah, I'll go with that. Uh, another bowler, or rather England player who impressed today, Ollie Robinson took um, a wicket early doors and Adam Collins, who is busy recording his podcast, Final Word, over there with Dan Norcross, um, just leant back to me, a big smile on his face. He said, Imagine this guy started bowling when he was 24. He'd have hundreds of wickets by now. Uh, Collo said he's the best England bowler he's seen to come through in years. Um, and today he was almost unplayable. And um, <laughs> I, tell you, I tell you the truth, the South African um, team, the batters, the top order, were all very pleased that he didn't play in the first test at Lords because he played at Canterbury mm. um, and, uh, and everyone who faced him um, sort of came off, uh, you know, sucking breath through clenched teeth thinking, this, he's pretty good. And it's not, the, it's not the speed, it's not the pace, is it? But he's quicker than he was. He's quick, that's in, that, but that in itself is quite telling. He's added three or four miles an hour to his mm. game, which is massive. You know, to go from late 70s to mid 80s that's 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 a huge difference and his skills uh, so a lot made about you know his fitness and his stamina um but uh, and not perhaps enough because of that distraction made about his skill uh you know again um the best exponent of seam and swing bowling that that i've seen over uh, over a decade um, was Sean Pollock. I know there have been many. Andy Caddick was brilliant. Um, but, but Ollie Robinson, I think, uh, is the best I've seen since Sean Pollock. And, uh, and guess what? Sean Pollock thinks so as well. <laughs> we were chatting about... about he the says Robinson. that about himself? No, no, no. Did no. he say in third person? 
No, um, he said, "Man, that's, that's the best I've seen since Sean Pollock." <laughs> since me? No, no, he didn't because he's too modest. No, he, he's a brilliant guy. Uh, anyway, um, look, you can't always, you don't always get it right. We've heard n- enough times from from Harmy and Harmy <laughs> that you you know you you try and do one thing and the ball goes in a completely r- different direction. Um, so there is an element of if a bowler doesn't know what it's going to do, then the batter certainly doesn't. But to, you know, you look at Ollie Robinson's skill and you know the wobble seam, and he was, look, he was, he's good enough. Uh, to, to nip one back into the right hander four or five times in a row, even for a couple of overs, and then set him up for the one that nips away, which is which is just brilliant. And you know that's that's what was happening today. He he wasn't just running up and bowling wobble seam because the pitch was doing something, and he was just hoping for an inside or an outside edge, and it didn't really matter. He was setting batters up, and and that's just great skill to watch. Did South Africa panic after that defeat? Four changes. I know there was a couple of injuries in there. Harmel was never going to play. But four changes. Yeah, obviously, Rassi van der Dussen had a broken finger. Um, uh, Lungi and Guy, I, um, I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, patience just um, w- ran out with for Aidan Markram. I mean, I, know, I, to- no, I totally understand Aidan Markram. His mind looks completely shot. Um, I can co- I completely understand that. But still, it seemed like, you know, you've gone from a very definite strategy about how you're going to approach your test cricket. You get beat and suddenly it's suddenly, well, actually you win, then you change the strategy. <laughs> then you get absolutely, you know, obliterated and they've changed it. They basically come into three tests with three different strategies. Yeah, well, this is a return to the... To the str- I mean, look- is, Mulder, is Mulder a frontline bowler of the you know here's the thing um, when somebody averages 45 with the bat and 25 with the ball in first class cricket it's really hard to look beyond that isn't it it's really hard to say unless you're Darren Stevens. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to say is this bloke test match material um, he hasn't looked it uh, to be fair but um, he's he's looked decent with the ball in the test matches that he's played. He's played a dozen test matches, and he's the kind of guy that always chips in with two for 30, and important wickets as well. He hasn't done himself justice with the bat at all. Um, but, you know, I mean, look, he's nicked a wide one, hasn't he? We're going for a, for a million-dollar cover drive. But at 36 for six, uh, 35 for five, um, the, uh, he had the courage and the conviction to try and counter-attack. So, I mean, what, what's worse? You go for the millionaire cover driver, nick a wide one to slip, um, trying to, to counter-attack and trying to reverse the pressure, or, you know, and he went for three. Or would you rather have him ground out eight or nine from 40 balls before getting what looked like the inevitable unplayable one? Yep, no, totally. It's more for his bowling that I, I wonder about where South Africa are coming from. Um, okay, let's have a little look a- ahead today. Well, I'm going to say day two, but it is <laughs> day, it's day four. four. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies in the culinary capital of the Caribbean. There truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados. Truly the best place to be a cricket fan. What is going to happen tomorrow? Okay, man, it's uh, day four. Will there be a day five? Oh, yeah, just. I think there will be. Um, I, I, I think there's... Look, both teams... I, I, look, Joe Root's going to make a score, isn't he? He hasn't made a telling score in the, in the series. So, you know, Joe Root's got to score 50 in the second innings, hasn't he? He's just got to. He's Joe Root. Um, and there will be a couple of partnerships. Um, but I can't see it going much beyond T or, you know, just falling a bit, bit short of T on, on day three. 17 wickets on the first day or the third day, whichever you want to call it. Um, and, and but so, so both teams are not scoring a lot of runs, um, apart from England, who did so brilliantly at Old Trafford, thanks to the two Bens. South Africa have just been hanging on, but not just in this series. For 18 months, they haven't scored a lot of runs, but they've scored enough. And I don't think that they have it within them to score enough in the second innings. I imagine South Africa tonight can't believe they're still in this. And England won't be able to believe that South Africa is still in this. Will that play a part? South Africa come out tomorrow now and just go for it. They know that they've been given a second chance. England will probably feel like they've let themselves down towards the end of the day. The, the, the series was there. It was there for them, wasn't it? And, you know, we talk about all the baseball stuff and their pure aggression. They've just shown at Old Trafford how to play that sensible cricket that we all expected them to play and that they should have played. It's weird, isn't it? I remember, I don't know what year it was, you'd be able to tell me, 
Um, but I'm, for my sins, I'm an Arsenal supporter, and I remember they were, there was a game, what was it, five or six years ago, they were 4-0 up at half-time against Newcastle, and they ended up drawing it 4-4. Um, and I think that, that England might just be sort of feeling that um, at the moment because they were super positive and, um, you know, they wanted to score at five or six runs and over. It's a three-day test match. You've got to make all the running. You've got to charge ahead. Um, but, but they were 4-0 ahead. Um, and that's when, like I said earlier, uh, just, you know, 84 for two at T. That was the time just to slow things down a little bit. And that doesn't mean bat slowly. I'm not saying play slowly. I'm not saying don't hit the bad balls, anything like that. I'm just saying play a little bit more... Circumspect. Yeah, sensibly is the word I used earlier, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, Ben Stokes is a complete case in point. Not for the first time this summer. Dropped by Dean Elgar. A ridiculous, very difficult chance. And then he was out three balls later, you know. And he's done that, he's done that a couple of times this summer. And every single time you look at Stokes' big scores... That he's he took, he's never made a flying start. He doesn't do flying starts. I think that's one of the reasons that he doesn't have a great T Twenty record. Um, and and his his best hundreds in Test match cricket. He, go go back and have a look and see how many runs he had after thirty balls or forty balls. And and so I, I, I just I think he I think he's. Because he's such a great cricketer, I think the one thing he would like to be able to do is make flying starts in Test match cricket. But it doesn't, it doesn't work for him. So Ben, just bat like that after you've been there thirty balls. Chill, Winston. That's what we say. Right, Manners, you've got a Daily Mail column to write, uh, and I've got to get home. <laughs> we'll be back. Well, I'll be back with Harmy uh, following day four of this, the third and final Test match between England and South Africa. Uh, what wonders will it bring? The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you are keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.